0: The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM.
1: Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to Inspire FM. This is Friday Night Live. Uh, you're listening to myself, Safari Kabbal, uh, on Friday Night Live, Inspire FM 105.1 FM, and also Salaam Radio Peterborough 106.2. Welcome to all. As usual, Friday Night Live is, is full of uh, packed information, I guess, entertainment and. Uh, I, I guess information that you require uh, as a background to uh, to the headlines that you've seen throughout the week, inshallah. So we're going to talk about a couple of things. You can't have failed to notice that uh, Sajid Javid, the, the, the Chancellor, uh, is out. Boris has stomped his authority. He's out. Uh, and we're going to talk about what happened behind the scenes, basically. What, you know, what's, what's going on um, behind the scenes uh, at number 10. Uh, we also want to talk a little bit about an article that appeared in uh, um, in one of the online papers uh, five pillars uh, about the politics be- behind Ertugrul so perhaps uh, you might have heard uh, on our show uh, talking about Ertugrul a series a popular turkish series historical drama series i guess uh, charting uh, the the rise Uh, of the, I guess, the founder of the um, the Uthmani Khalifat. So we're going to have that, inshallah, in in our 15 minutes or so. Uh, After that, we'll we'll talk about the reduction, uniform reduction of post-GCE courses, um, T levels, etc. You can find out a little bit more on that uh, after half past six. And uh, we're going to talk about Storm Kiara, Storm Dennis, advice on how to safeguard yourself from the storm. Uh, and then fly tipping at 7.30, inshallah. What's that all about? Did I ask for this? I'm not sure I asked for this. <laughs> Change schedule. My producers have changed my schedule. I didn't prepare for this, right? But here goes. We're going to see how we, we get on today. Uh, because I, I'll have, inshallah, talented and, and uh, well-informed guests who are going to guide me through a mind minefield uh, of, uh, uh, I guess, a... Uh, um, uh, the news articles, etc., as they've appeared uh, in the newspapers and, and online, uh, uh, online sort of prints. Okay, we're going to start off. Uh, we're going to have a conversation with uh, with Basit Mahmud. Um, he's a, a local political analyst. Uh, I know he's been active in one or two newspapers as well. I'm not sure he still is. Uh, Salam, kabasit. Like so. Um Yes, so you've been on our show a few times before and we've introduced you as, as uh, being a columnist or writer or journalist associated with a particular paper. I'm not sure you still are. Are you still yeah, on? Yeah, I am. I'm
2: still on the
1: yeah. yeah. so, so you're still involved. You you actually work yeah. for the Metro.
2: And I wrote about the cabinet reshuffle yesterday. Oh, you wrote...
1: Uh, oh, yeah. right. Okay, that, that must have been interesting. <laughs> so Sajid Stop. is out. Was he pushed? <laughs> Was he pushed?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, was he pushed uh, yeah 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 he was i think i think you you if you push someone to a position whereby they've got no other choice to make then they're pushed even though it looks
1: like a choice right so so um, in effect they made him fall his own sword right
2: i mean the thing is boris i think so dominic commons who i think is the equivalent And I think equivalences have been drawn between him and Steve Bannon in America. okay. You've got these guys, you've got these interesting guys who, for some reason, think that they're anti-establishment. You know, usually white rich men, like in this case, Dominic Cummings, Hmm. who thinks, despite the fact that he went to a private school and went to Oxford and done all of that, thinks he's anti-establishment and it's his job to change the way Britain, or or represent, you know, the real interests of the populist working classes. And when they say working classes, we know they usually mean white working classes. Hmm. Uh, We're not included in that bracket. Um, and then what happened was I think Cummings was the one who'd fired. So what happened? He'd fired Sajid Javid's aide
1: mm-hmm.
2: without even telling him. And then Sonia, I think it's Sonia Khan last year.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
2: Um, and then today, well, yesterday, they.
1: But how, how does that how does that happen? I'm sure, I'm sure the cabinet right is subject to, I guess the the same HR laws I would have thought as as uh, people elsewhere. So
3: yeah,
1: yeah. But but where, where's this guy? This guy's in a this guy. He's, he's an he's advisor.
2: A, he's a senior, senior advisor at the year of the Prime Minister. So he can basically, in that mm. way, I think it was clear that... I mean, this, this is all alleged and reported, but this is what we have to say, but be careful about But it's clear that he was not very happy with Sajid, and he asked him, you know, the chancellors and the Prime Minister have always had a kind of tumultuous relationship Gordon Brown Tony Clare. Yeah, maybe yeah. he was worried, I don't know, Sajid Javid was going to try and build his own power base or run for office. And Boris, as we know, is a bit of a megalomaniac and doesn't want anyone to... Challenge authority. Yeah, and he's not
1: to hide. He's not to hide in a fridge or two, isn't he? No. So he, yeah. So if he,
2: if he, uh, what everyone was saying yesterday was this: this whole reshuffle. There's one clear message, and that message is dissent will not be tolerated. Mm. Which I think in any modern government, any government in the world, it could be or any system of government, dissent is important. People disagree with you, and if you're in the wrong, it's their job to show you the right way.
1: Mm. And and was uh, was Sajid? Did he did he? His advisers uh, were here. Were there his loyalists? I guess political loyalists. And normally yeah, advisors said, are not necessarily elected, are they?
2: No, but if you look at what Sajid was saying yesterday, he was saying these were incredibly hard working people that worked for the government that mm. had um but I think you have to look at the wider thing, right? What did Rishi Sunak his replacement agree to? Mm. His replacement agreed to a merging of the teams of advisors of number ten and eleven, basically meaning oh, okay. <laughs> you ain't got your advisors anymore. <laughs> They're all under my control. Um so I think it was a power play thing where yeah.
1: So it, it, in uh, effect basically is Number 10 and number 11 are one, but this is a figurehead, chancellor. But he's quite, uh, from what I, what I gather, he's quite talented, isn't he? He's kind of come from a, a fairly educated family. Uh, ma- so married to, married a to, to the bus. Sorry.
2: He's become a cliche. The bus, son of a bus driver.
1: No, no, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm right. talking about Rishi. Uh, what's his name? The new.
2: Chapter. Oh, Rishi. Well, Rishi. But this is an interesting thing, right? What, what is Rishi is um, someone who went to Winchester, as a public school. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. And then he's the son of a billionaire. Yeah. Well no no less
1: yeah, Not no less I, I guess he's married to the daughter of Infosys founder, isn't is she? So Yes.
2: Yeah, so not exactly round the mill working class, you know, Bain experience. Mm. Um, but there we are. He said it would be a cabinet of uh, all the talents, but uh,
1: it looks like but, but a do you,
2: particular group in society.
1: But do you think Rishi, Rishi because I guess he's because he's relatively new, um, he's gonna top the line, I guess, is he? But he's quite yeah, smart.
2: He's smart. Yeah. You know, he's, there's no doubt he's a smart guy, but there's, uh, he's got 27 days to pull off a budget. Mm. <laughs> Which, and you're talking about a post-Brexit budget. Yes. Um, but so, I mean, it's interesting to see that they're saying that Rishi Sunak will toe the line, he's fairly new mm. and Dominic Cummings is the one who's really in charge. So, you know, people ask all that criticism. I think that's a fair criticism. A lot of even conservatives are criticizing the influence of Dominic Cummings. So.
1: Mm. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't
2: but look... I th- one thing I think is important though, to, to address about Sajid And maybe this is just for our specific listeners and given our kind of radio shows that In Luton is that you know this guy people say he should have done more for, against Islamophobia mm, And yes. they saw him as someone who didn't really do that given that whatever his personal choices That's his personal choice if he says he's Muslim or not, but he was Perceived as a Muslim. Yeah, so we know he got attacked with Islamophobia and the fact that he's no longer there Mm. will undoubtedly empower people who let's be honest even when he was running for the leadership election was saying oh you know muslim and calling him racist slurs that now now the fact that he's not there so the interesting thing is i was thinking straight away after such went, what are they going to say now when it comes to the tory islamophobia inquiry
1: yes indeed
2: we know I mean, he can't say i have a muslim chancellor i mean that that line was pushed out so many times by boris
1: yes indeed i'm not sure he's, he's worried about that to be honest uh, but yeah. I think what's what's interesting the way I read it is um uh and I might be wrong actually, but if you think about it, I think the big idea behind brexit was that that we, you replace Europe right with some other bigger economies and you have free trade agreements with them and yeah. America and Australia and New Zealand and India as well uh and having yeah. three three people of Indian origin in the cabinet basically I think kind of kind of goes in that direction doesn't it kind of yeah
2: yeah, and, that, and that, you know, I'm not. You know, it's important that we have people from ethnic minority backgrounds in that cabinet.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, you know, Andrea Ledson's replacement was, uh, you know, um, not just Alok Sharma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alok Sharma replaced him, and then you've got Suela the Attorney General, which a lot of people again were very surprised by because it was I think it was someone called Lucy Fraser that people hmm. particularly get the job. Um, but clearly, he's trying to show that you know it's a diverse cabinet. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's important that part, but.
1: Um, but not, like, what, what, what do you? Th- I mean, uh, um, I guess p- people must be wondering what what Boris's game is. I know he's he's trying to sort of get um, stifle dissent, and he must have a game plan, something radical, I guess, which he fears that something uh,
2: radical is. I mean, some people were saying were predicting yes, is Rishi Sunak going to open up the taps a bit more? Mm-hmm. Is he going to spend a bit more because Sajid Javid is quite a you know conservative. fiscally conservative yes yeah? so he's not going to spend loads and loads of money and for is this is what i mean my reading of it is as well you've got this hs2 right mm. i don't think it's a coincidence that two days before he's like my government has got the guts to do this so this you know multi-million pound program that's been delayed and delayed environmentalist groups are protesting against and he probably thought you know what i need a in order to keep what they call the blue wall yeah um you know white working class voters in the north they don't want this to be a one-off they need they know that they need to cement position and if if and the sad thing is right let's be honest the, the labor government isn't gonna be able to dislodge the tories if he's just looking at it rationally unless he has a massive mm. landslide yeah so he's looking to he's looking to govern for 10 20 years and he's made that clear so if you're if you've shifted your party now mm. on the basis of ethnic populism yeah where it's no longer about you know, civic analysis about ethnic populism or appealing to, the, you know, certain particular races and classes, then you've got to maintain that position in order for those people to vote for you again. Mm. Uh, maybe Rishi Sunak is someone who's more willing than compliant to invest mm. in parts of the country and be more fiscally open mm. than Sajid Javid was. not Because Sajid Javid, scared, was a satirite, right? I mean, he, he described it as one of his famous...
1: Yeah, you know, but he, I mean, to be honest, Sajid Javid didn't stick up for any any type of an ethnicity at all, so you might, well, might as well have been somebody who's I guess from the from from the mainstream um you know uh, population. He he didn't he didn't show his ethnicity, he never uh, it was just he just counted as an ethnic to be honest. He was he didn't sort of
2: uh, But the interesting thing is even though it wasn't his intention it still came out, right? Remember when Dom when he didn't get involved to state banquet? Mm,
1: indeed by Donald Trump. And even well, then, that, that, that's that's the corona. perception from the other side really rather than his own particular position, but, isn't it? Uh, yeah.
2: Is that but that's what I'm saying.
1: That's the tragedy about it. And the sad, sad thing is I think it was Saeed Avarsi that said, you
2: know, Sajid you can downplay your mm. Muslimness but for the Conservative Party, your Muslimness no matter, you know, what you say about it is there. And Muslims are racialized now, whether you like it or not. Mm. Yeah, that's just a fact. it's not it's more than a religion now. Um, and I think not having that's the one slight thing I would say that people need to be aware of is that not having him there mm. sends out a particular message as well. Um that that the worldview of Dominic Cummings he hasn't always encouraged people to go onto Dominic Pug and, come and his blogs and read what he's been saying about the world for the last fifty, sixty years. Because this guy arguably has more power now than the Chancellor. He's the second most powerful man in the country. Summit
1: So what, what, what now for Sajid? Then is, is that is that it? Uh, well, end, I think end, it's end so end of the line back for him.
2: Back Sorry. Well, he's going back to the back benches. He's going back, and it was very interesting the way he worded his worded his resignation. Right, if hmm. you look at the videos that came out, he said that you know these are conditions which no chancellor could accept. So maybe if the conditions change, maybe if Boris makes a mess of Brexit, he'll try and throw his leadership back in the ring. But I think I think the kind of Brexit Boris wants is what most people want. So Mm. the hard Brexit. But let's be honest now, what Owen Jones is saying is, well, if Brexit goes badly now, they can't blame no one. They can't say he didn't have a jury. They can't blame Labour opposition. They can't blame the Lib Dems or the Greens. They have have to take, they have to own it. Mm, Maybe blame blame, blame Rishi, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. But this is it. If the whole thing just goes pear-shaped, then They've Sajid, got the Sajid, think, yeah, but Sadiq is an interesting political operator. I wouldn't, I wouldn't write him off. You know, you don't get the chance to be exact for that, like that, mm. in this kind of environment we live in. Just, you know, and I think he's got, he's a strategist, and he's got allies in the Conservative Party who are annoyed at this. So, mm, I
1: understand. But what, what, what do you think? I mean, to be honest, uh, he's been around for quite a while, right? but there isn't anything, any one thing that you could say that Sadiq stood out, uh, that he would achieved. I guess in, in his political career. He seems to be in the background all the time, really, isn't he?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, he, I mean, some people jokingly said, you know, he invented the, the, the new 50p coin. Was his only key. Let's not get it, the only time, this is a slap in the face, he's the only Chancellor not to delivered a budget. Mm. <laughs> and, he, you know, what is the point of the job? But the thing is, I think, I think he was, he was known for that, whether we like it or not, right? That he was seen by many within many non-Muslim circles, hmm. as the,
1: you know... Acceptable Muslim face of ethnicity.
2: ethnicity. Yeah, I, I, would go, I mean, I wouldn't say ethnicity, I'd say Islam. Hmm. I mean, for some, on the right, that, you know, he was seen as this very, you know, oh, oh, doesn't wear his face and sleeve and doesn't... But the interesting thing is, again, you know, again, this is what I'm saying, now, I'm not saying that I suppose that or I don't, but what I'm saying is that even during the leadership debate, let's not forget who tried to get them all to agree to Islamophobia inquiry. I think indeed. after the banquet, everyone was saying after the state banquet, non, non-invite, some things changed in Sajid's thinking, and he basically was the one that got frustrated and said to them, look, let's agree to a Tory down inquiry. So he certainly put that
1: on the map, didn't he? Indeed, yeah, um, indeed, I guess. That's what he we'll so, remembered for. Then, it would have been so good if he, yeah. if he carried it through, though. Well, who knows? This is what I'm interested in now. Now it'd be interesting to see whether he,
2: you know, Sayyid Vasi and himself, now that he's no longer in the heart of government, will
1: he be more free to speak his mind? Will he come will, out? Will he come out?
2: <laughs> I right. mean, as in come out more against the, you know, Islamophobia and talk about you know, mm. these issues now that he's realised that maybe, whether he likes it or not, it was affecting him and, it, and it, you know, the way he was perceived. But yeah, I, w- I don't think his political career is dead. If that's what you're asking now. I think he's...
1: Mm, got, um, got more to go then, yeah?
2: Still, I see, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no one. I think, no, I don't think any journalist or political commentator will say this in just that.
1: Mm. So you, you reckon HS2 is 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 what Boris wants, uh, yeah. and 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 you think that that's the Chancellor was getting in the way because he needs HS2 so that he can deliver deliver, I guess, um, connectivity to London from the deprived North, so to speak. Uh, and
2: broader than HS2, others I think they didn't trust him. Right, I mean that uh-huh. they were accusing his Department of leaks and all of this, and that's why his advisor was fired. And so I think they may be told, you
1: know, this guy's not going to play ball. He's building his own power base. So, Indeed. All right. Okay, well, Basit, have uh, for your, your commentary today. Okay. It's fascinating, as usual, thanks. inshallah. Um, so we're going to move on to another topic. So we'll chat again some other time. Okay, thanks. as alaikum. Right, okay, so the next topic of discussion. So uh, we've talked about it here. It's, it's on Netflix and it's on YouTube and all sorts of uh, websites, etc. The article series Um I must uh, I must confess I didn't hear or know about Ertugrul until you know we just heard you know we, we, uh, I saw the the series on uh, on Netflix uh, it's become a hit uh, not just I guess within um UK and, and Europe but also worldwide um in Pakistan and Middle East etc uh, and that's ruffled a few feathers uh, according to a report uh, by Five Pillars uh, it appears that um People in in Egypt and Saudi, etc., uh, appear not to encourage um, the, I guess, uh, airing of that particular series, and then I guess people aren't very happy about Turkey trying to, as they call it, project soft power uh, through the media, etc. So, uh, with me to to discuss that in a little bit more detail, uh, I have uh, Dr. Adil Osman. Uh, As-salamu alaikum, Dr. Adil. Wa
0: as wa rahmatullah.
1: Uh, sorry, it's Idil, not Adil. Uh, my mistake. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, I, I guess you're familiar with the article series. I
4: am, yes. Yeah.
1: Right, okay. So, uh, is there any any truth to, to the fact that um, Turkey is trying to project soft power uh, in the Middle East and try to recreate an environment akin to the Ottomans. Uh, and that's something legitimate for the likes of Saudis and, and uh, Egyptians to fear.
0: Okay, um, well, let's take a, a, a bit of con- contextual approach. Um, I, I am uh, I'm a, uh, an assistant professor in global media and communications, and these are the kind of areas that, my research often uh, focuses on yes so what i would like to do is, is to sort of begin with um the the background to this story now turkey for a while now especially since uh, Erdogan has been in charge has taken a a long view approach to engaging in the global stage sure uh, if you look at the the activities that they've been involved in they host the largest refugee population in the world uh they are also second largest member of NATO, their engagement with humanitarian affairs and development interventions tend to take a human and civic-centered approach. And this is quite different to the conventional way that the uh, majority or the sort of more powerful global actors, predominantly from the West, have been engaging in the global uh, stage. So it's it's disrupting the way that uh, global affairs are normally conducted, and this is sort of causing um well, a, a threat or a perceived threat uh, especially to those who are allied with western powers mm-hmm. in this case egypt but also other arab actors such as saudi arabia and so on because they normally are the sort of soldiers on the ground that enact the policies of the west mm-hmm. towards those regions
1: that's the perception so
0: Turkey is also involved that's the perception right so because Turkey is now engaging those areas and it's uh, taking a very different approach and it's not dependent on forging alliances with Western powers, they're being seen as a threat. So now we're seeing this being projected in the sort of cultural spheres, right? Mm. Now, what I find really interesting is Hollywood has been very um, active in dominating the uh, global cultural arenas. Sure. But you don't see anybody talking about the soft power of America being a threat. Mm. How many people have left their homes and their countries to go and seek the American dream? Indeed. Yes. Nobody's talking about because they've seen this on TVs and movies from Hollywood, uh, they they see America as this country of an American dream and they can realise their ambitions and have a better quality of life and so on. So nobody's complaining about that. But Turkey now being at a global stage, and so obviously it's reflected in their cultural output, such as Ertuğrul and Mm. and other theories that have also become really popular, Uh, this is now being seen as a threat. Mm. So I I find it interesting, but I also think it's important to understand the political and the economic context within which these issues are being raised.
1: Indeed. Uh, And our guests. The the context really is the fact that, um, I guess, outwardly, um, the objection is to the fact that the Ottomans um, are trying to, you know, uh, come back in a way into their lives. I mean, that that's the that's the projected fear, uh, but I guess there's there's probably more to it.
0: Yes, of course. I mean, the Ottomans you know, that was an empire that existed in history. It sure. no longer is. Yeah, it's something that exists, just like the Roman Empire no longer exists, the British Empire no longer exists, sure. although they would like it to be mm-hmm. coming back. But um, yeah, so these are his, you know, these, these are uh, uh, reigns and superpowers that existed in history. And so now, what we're seeing is uh, the, the cinema of these countries, reflecting their own history. I mean, you know, we've we've had so many Hollywood movies that have been made. Uh, about different aspects of American history.
3: Uh, and so indeed. we
0: don't see then threats coming out saying, oh, we're scared that America is going to try and recolonize the world. The same with Britain, you know, uh, so many uh, movies have been done on the British history and their colonial, particularly their colonial history. Right. Uh, we've, you know, recently, I mean, I, a couple of months ago, I actually went to see a movie about Churchill.
1: Sure.
0: You see, so and the movie about Churchill is the projection of British history. Sure. Uh, so again, it, 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 what I find interesting is sort of um, the, the lack of um, consistent approach about analyzing these things. Mm. And the reason why there is a lack of approach, uh, of, of consistency is because Egypt is, does not have a problem, or, or the other Arab alliances of the West. They don't have a problem with Hollywood. Uh, projecting American history, nor do they have a problem with Britain projecting their history, because they are alliances and their interest is aligned with the British and the Western. But Eastern.
1: it's interesting you said about what what interest. Like
0: that with with Turkey, right?
1: So, but what why, how come Turkey has managed to find its its part of NATO, uh, and for many many years is tried to sort of be part of the European Union. How come Turkey is now all of a sudden on the opposite side, and you see the the Arab nations being seen um, more aligned to the Western interests? What, what's what's the what's the story behind that?
0: I I, I think um, the the internal politics in Turkey has changed. Hmm. So before Erdogan's period, I think there was a much more Atatürk influenced um, politics, sure, which yeah. was more Western friendly. That's why there was a long uh, campaign for, uh, you know, for decades trying to actually join the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was much more of a worldview that was projected towards the West. And mm. so alliances and politics and uh, cultural outputs that were more Western friendly were being put out. Now, I think the politics of Turkey has shifted uh, towards more nationalistic approach and actually thinking about the, the better interests for turkey and not necessarily trying to align themselves with the west Hmm. so with the uh if you look at the way that they've approached the refugee situation for example so instead of trying to um, (coughs) join the eu what they've instead looked for is the benefits that they would get in terms of trade policies in terms of uh, uh you know trade agreements between uh the eu and turkey they forged those similar agreements but through the way that they've managed the refugee crisis without having to join the EU, right? So mm. I think the, the shift in, in political outlook within Turkey has changed, and that is now perhaps being seen as uh, a threat to the traditional alliances of the West.
1: Indeed, indeed. Um, okay, just just finding in about 30 seconds or so, uh, was was the shift primarily, I guess, because of rejection of Turkey uh, from approaches to join the European Union?
0: I think so. I think there's been a bit of a dismay because this is a long, you know, it was a long campaign trying to join the EU and the EU has not been very forthcoming. So I think they took a de- different approach and they thought about how else can we realize upon the interest that we have without having to join the EU and that has made them look in a different way that I think uh, has, has probably given them div- the same dividends or similar dividends that they would have gotten if they had joined the EU. So I think they're, they're, they're taking a different approach and they're looking for ways to establish their interests, both internally as well as in the global
1: Jazakallah, Dizak- 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 Dr. Idil. Uh, I've just run out of time now. I'm going for a short break. Thank you very much for your contribution today. Inshallah, we'll speak again at some other occasion. Yakhla,
0: Thank you for having me. Salam wa as wa rahmatullah.
5: Asalaamu Alaikum, this is Artif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts
6: or Spotify.
1: Asalaamu Alaikum, welcome back to Inspire FM. You're listening to Friday Night Live with me, Zafari Kabbal. Uh, and also, uh, we're broadcasting to Radio Islam in Peterborough on 106.2 uh, FM. Uh, if you want to ring in and join us uh, to discuss any of the topics, uh, our number is 01582481822, uh, or you can text and message us on zero triple seven nine four eight one eight two two. Before the break, we were discussing the cabinet reshuffle, uh, and we talked about the politics behind the article series, uh, why some countries in the Middle East are, are worried about the influence uh, of I guess, Turkish media or Turkish drama, historical dramas. So we were talking to Dr. Usman, uh, Usman uh, who's uh, a lecturer, senior lecturer at University of Lafbra. Uh, we also talked uh, to Basit Khan uh, to analyse um, the reasons uh, behind the reshuffle and if Sajid was pushed. And I think the general view was he was pushed, he wasn't given a choice. Um, he had to accept the terms or a go and, and he went and we talked about the fact that uh this may be his uh i guess he's uh it may not be actually the end of the line for him and he might come back in a different guise uh, inshallah okay okay that was sajid jawid before the break uh, we want to move on to a slightly different topic uh and uh this topic uh is uh, around uniforms uh uniforms school uniforms i guess uh and uh if you've if you've actually sort of uh if you're an avid listener of, of Inspire FM, you you would have uh, I guess remembered uh, a number of appeals, a number of campaigns that that we've done uh, around poverty to do with uniforms. Uh, there are many children uh, who um, in, in schools uh, who are not able to uh, afford school uniforms, and I guess there's there's, um, there's some moves uh, in the parliament to try and introduce um introduce a bill which will make affordable school uniform um at the heart of, of the school uniform policy so we have uh well, we're trying to get hold of uh somebody from from level trust so level trust is an organization a local organization i would say uh, that we inspire him has worked with before uh, on previous uh i guess campaigns and uh, to try and purchase uniforms uh for struggling families, I guess, who are are struggling to sort of um, uh, get the funding together uh, to purchase a uniform. Uh, So can I welcome, I guess, uh, Jane Malcolm, Chief Executive of Level Trust to Inspire Firm. Hi, Jane.
4: Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yes, how
1: are you? Brilliant. Excellent. Thank you very much. Right. Okay. uh, Can you tell us uh, a little bit more about this uh, new initiative or new bill that's going through Parliament? to do with school uniforms?
4: Yes, as I understand it, um, it's a private member's bill that MP Mike Amesbury um, had had the chance of putting forward. And I believe that at the heart of the bill is putting the cost of school uniform um, as the highest priority for schools when they're deciding on their uniform policy. Um, so in other words, it will ensure that School uniform across the whole of the UK um, is affordable um, for for the majority of people. Um, so it was uh, the title of the bill was read, I believe, on the fifth of February, and then it will go to be debated for the first time on the thirteenth of March.
1: Hmm. What well, what effect is that going to have? Because I mean, uniforms. I, I, I don't make a judgment, but uniform the, the the school uniforms tend to be, I guess, slightly cheaper than. than clothes anyway so what 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 difference is this going to make
4: um i don't actually think that's true um uh, mm. we did um a um a, a recce of all school uniforms across luton right and the average cost of a high school boys uniform in luton for the whole thing mm-hmm. is 258 pounds um so that includes everything um, from your PE kit your your shoes and your coat but that's a huge amount of money so if your if your child is starting in a high school sure. in year 7 You you would be looking to fork out around about £250 to get their whole uniform. Now, I don't know about you, but I would rarely spend that on something for myself when I would expect that to last for years and years, let alone for for a child who's going to grow out of it within a year. Hmm. Um, So I would say a school uniform for a lot of children is the most expensive item of clothing that they, they own.
1: So uh, I, I guess I guess you're right. I mean, I was just comparing uh, item to item rather than the entire sort of collection of uh, items that, that uh, go, on, go on to make uh, um, the the uniform. So, so in in essence, uh, is this telling the, the uh, uh, is this telling the, 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 the um, I guess the, um, the schools to uh, design the uniforms which is affordable, or is it saying that the government will, will provide subsidies uh, for, for the uh, the uniform?
4: I'm not entirely um, up on the content of the bill, um, Mm -hmm. but my understanding is that it will um, require schools to just choose a cheaper style of uniform. There has been a real trend over the last few years, particularly for schools to start choosing um, a school uniform that has logos on every part of the uniform. Yes, indeed. Make them distinctive.
1: Yeah, that's right. yeah.
4: Yeah over the pe kit and the problem with that is that um every time you add a logo it um hugely increases the price so whereas you might be able to go and get a cheap pair of shorts and a t-shirt for pe from uh, a supermarket suddenly uh, the parent has to go to an you know a special school uniform outlet and buy the special branded uh, top and shorts which will cost at least double the price of if you had to go to the supermarket so that is one thing that really ups the price, and I believe that it's part of the bill that they're going to suggest that logoed items have to be kept to a minimum mm. um and that yeah as I say that a lot that most uniforms should be easily easily purchased from a supermarket
1: mm. yeah so, so I mean you're, you've you been involved in this area for, for quite a while I guess in terms of um, campaigning for for affordable uniform uh, how widespread yeah. uh, is that a problem uh, with Luton, say for example
4: well um schools uh, schools really vary in mm. how they uh, in how they deal with it we've got some schools that really understand it as an issue mm. they realize that if they choose a school uniform that is expensive it will discriminate against their poorer pupils and we have lots of schools that sell their school uniform from the re- the school reception you can get it there or you can get it at tesco they have minimum logos so they might have a logo jumper or a logo blazer but they have very little else. Um, and those schools are doing, you know, are making really good choices about about their school uniform. But we do have schools and a growing number of schools in Luton who are choosing uh, to to go for uh, logos on everything. We've had a few primary schools choose to go for blazers,
3: mm. which we
4: have really tried to say to them, don't do that because a blazer costs about thirty quid, whereas mm. a jumper sure. you can get a good quality jumper for ten pounds. So. It is an issue in Luton, it's an issue across the whole of the UK, but obviously we live in Luton, we care about Luton, sure. uh, so that's why we're making a noise about it here.
1: Indeed, indeed. And, and have you got any examples of perhaps, you know, uh, some cases that, that particularly t- touched your heart, I guess, in terms of um, poverty and, and, and guests uh, skimping on uniform or, or, or to, to maybe sort of pay for some other uh, necessities in the home?
4: Yeah, I mean, where where do I start? Let mm. let me start with Kirsty. Uh, I've changed her name, but Kirsty came into the uniform exchange. So a high, high school student, she hadn't done PE for three weeks. And we mm. said, you know, wh- why have you not done PE? She said, well, mum can't afford the PE kit. Mm. And so because she didn't have the logoed PE kit, her PE teacher had asked her to sit out, and she'd missed PE for a whole three weeks. And, and I'm sure the PE teacher... I hope the PE teacher didn't realise that, that her student couldn't afford the uniform and that's why she couldn't take part. I'm sure she didn't because I, I, would, I, would, I would hate to think that a person would deliberately exclude a student because Indeed, they're poor yeah. But mm. in that situation, that is what was happening. That student couldn't afford that PE kit and therefore was missing PE. We've had other examples of, of young people coming in on a school day to the uniform exchange, and we say, you know, why are you not in school? They say, well, we don't have the school uniform, so we can't go in. Mm. So we obviously get them their uniform and they go back to school. Uh, other situations, we did a survey recently with parents, and one of the questions we asked them was, how in the past, have you ever used credit cards or payday loans to to pay for uniform? And 50% of the parents we are said, yes, in the past, we have had to use credit cards or payday loans because we genuinely cannot afford to pay for it any other way at that time. And And luckily, because of the uniform exchange, they've come in and used us instead. But that, you know, when people are, we've got 46% of our children living in poverty in Luton. And when families are struck, it's a huge number. And when families poverty, you know whatever whatever you want to think about the politics behind it. Poverty is poverty. It means people can't afford basic things. Sure. Um, and so 46% of our children are from homes where they can't afford basic things. Mm. And so if you're going to be charging 30 quid for a blazer, um, that's always going to discriminate against children who, who can't. One last story, and because I, I could talk about this forever. Sure. We're, we're working with some amazing students across Luton schools who are sharing their stories of, of poverty in school. And one student told us that his friend who had been, uh, you know, really the life and soul of their friendship group, um, he knew it from a poor family and his school uniform, his blazer became really tight and his trousers became too short for him Mm. and he started having the mix taken out of him and his mum and dad could not afford the new one, so he used to go and spend time in the library instead, he withdrew from all his friends and he lost his whole friendship group Purely mm. because he was embarrassed about what he looked like, and mum and dad couldn't afford the new uniform. Because
1: they were prioritising food over uniform.
4: It, yeah, exactly, or bills, or or whatever it is. You know, we've ha- we had a parent in recently. We saved her a hundred quid uh, mm. on her school uniform, and she said to us, "Thank you. I can go. I can go and pay my electricity bill now."
1: Yeah.
4: Um, and and that is what families are having are having to deal with.
1: Mm, indeed. Well, uh, to be honest, it's certainly an eye-opener, to be honest. 46% of the families say that's, that is really, that's a, a lot of families, that is. Uh, okay, thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, in our town. Sorry, 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 was that sorry?
4: I just said it is in our town.
1: In our town, indeed.
4: And, I, and, I, and that's the thing, it's the town that we all care about. And indeed, so even yeah. if that's not, you know, even if that's not you or me... Um, it's our neighbours and our friends. And absolutely. I think that's why this should be a losing issue that we're all passionate about and, and doing all we can t- to support people.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think this is a good point to, uh, I guess, to sort of close on. Uh, thank you very much. I've got another story to cover in, in the next sort of 15 minutes or so. Uh, Jane, it's, been, it's really been an eye-opener today. Thank you very much for those, uh, I guess, uh, you know, heart-touching stories, I would say, basically, yeah, of... of I guess people that that live within that town that we don't know uh, a lot about. I mean, we may may judge from a distance, but we rarely, I guess, uh, look to see what's behind the headlines, really, isn't it? In terms of what you see. Yeah. Okay, uh, Jane. Thank you very much for your time again. And I guess thank we'll speak Thank you. Again. Bye. Cheers. Thank you very much. Bye. bye Right. Okay. Uh, God. Okay. That was uh, that was a, a really sad story uh, that we heard. inshallah. So we're going to move on to the next uh, item. Uh, of discussion today, which is uh, around still to do with schools, I guess, but this is more about education and some of the education courses uh, not, being no longer available. Uh, I've got Sami Akram, uh, who's the deputy principal of the Shared Learning Trust, uh, on the line to talk about that. Uh, alaikum Sami.
5: Hello. Sorry, Samia.
1: So sorry,
5: Samia. My name is Samia. Yeah,
1: sorry. Samia. Yeah. I do. I do apologise. Uh, I'll, I'll have to take it up with my producers here because I've got Semi oh, yes, on, on, on my crib sheet. Uh, yes, indeed. So I, I'm not sure whether you heard some of the stories around uh, the, the, the first, first uh, the, the uniform story. Any comments on that yeah. at all?
5: Um, I think the, the fact that 40% of our children live in poverty just really sums it up. Mm. And what you tend to see is in the winter, you will tend to see that the children kind of... Um, Don't wear coats because actually they can just afford the blazer and then they can't afford um, coats. Mm. But there are there are support mechanisms in school, and I know we definitely um, make sure that we are keeping an eye on every single child, and we do offer a lot of support and help to all families as well.
3: Mm. But
5: um, I think that that conversation can go go either way. Mm. But I do understand. 46% Forty-six percent is a very, very large number.
1: It is indeed. With all the
5: benefit changes, etc., um, when families need to prioritise, and if you've got if you've got a couple of children going to school, then that's an extreme amount—it's a multiplier, money. isn't
1: that's it? A, indeed, yeah. indeed. Okay, all right. So we want to move on to to the next item of, of uh, uh, a discussion today, which is around um, the uh, post GCSE qualifications or T level. Qualifications yeah. being pulled by government. What, what's what's T-level uh, um, qualifications?
4: So
5: what um, the government have decided is that um, they are actually going to um, plug post-GCSE some some of the qualifications for over about five thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they will be doing is introducing T-levels in in September. Oh. So. Um, what that really means is that children have three options: mm-hmm. they either go to do um, A level,
3: yep. or
5: they go to do um, apprenticeship,
3: mm-hmm. or they
5: will now do the T level, right. um, and they they are equivalent to um, a three A level, So similar to kind of what what we what we've um, seen or what we've had um, for the BTEC,
3: mm-hmm. um,
5: but. I think it kind of comes in quite nicely with the conversation that we we're having earlier about um, yep. and, and poverty and, um, you know, trying to make a difference. So we, we really should be encouraging uh, our young people to be kind of going into further education. Sure. And especially with all the developments et cetera, that we've, we've got going on. So basically what this really means that that um, this will be an option for children.
1: Okay. Okay. So, so give, me, give me an example of what, what t-, t levels would be. I mean, I mean, you, you had the BTECs okay. before, and you had the City and the Guild certificates in lots of yes. different things.
3: Yeah, yeah.
5: So, and in two thousand and eleven, BTECs changed. So, uh-huh. the BTECs prior to that were hundred um, percent um, coursework. Yeah. Uh, which meant that um, children that aren't good at exams they can still access them. And in two thousand and eleven, that changed. Yeah. So you can already see kind of start start a pattern. Remember, the GCSEs have changed. The A-levels have changed as well, so that it's 100% exam now. Yep. And um, the T-levels, what this means is that they that there will be some um, elements in the classroom. There'll be some outside. But what every child will have to do, child, and actually adults as well, what they'll have to do is they will have to do 45 days unpaid work right. in, in in an area of, of um, their study. Mm. And that, um, I think, the concern is that that aspect will be quite difficult because if if you are a child that comes through with, um, you know, issues at school, not really happy kind of thing, then having to do those 45 hours of uh, unpaid work would be hard. And I think the other factor also will be, um, you know, finding appropriate work as well and finding work that they will like and, and, and that's challenging as well. So I think all the qualifications, you like I mentioned, the BTECs, the GCSEs, the A levels, they they are kind, of, they are hitting the vulnerable children. Right. They are hitting the children that will that find school hard, that find um, studying hard. So that I think it, it is quite quite a worry.
1: So uh, I, I guess it's. Um, I mean, you talk about a difficulty. It's, it's forty-five year, hours throughout the year, I guess, isn't it? So forty-five year hours. So
5: it's forty-five days. So Sorry, forty-five days. 45 45 days. days.
1: Uh, that's yes, quite a lot, actually. That's about
5: three hundred and fifteen hours of work experience.
1: Three hundred. Okay, that's quite a lot, actually, because I think it's quite difficult yes. to get one week. if you
5: think about, um, but again, to, to kind of get on to um, the a 11 equivalent, you still need your um, GCSE maths. You will still need your English. Hmm. And you know, over you know seventy thousand teenagers in the UK don't get a GCSE grade or above, not even one single one.
3: Hmm.
5: And then, it's, you know, and the fact are that further 136,000 do not get a single GCSE at grade five or above. So hmm. if we are kind of looking at so what's the option? What's the option for those children? But what we seem to be doing is we seem to be kind of narrowing the education system. Um, and it seems to be more for, you know, exam children that can do that. And they were kind of um, getting getting rid of what what you
1: really needed um, for the children that are disengaged. Mm. So I am I'm, I'm still trying to find out uh that, I mean you, you described actually what what the the difference is and the difference is basically some of the some it will be course based and some of it's going to be yeah. job job uh, on the job experience but yeah. th- those type of things are already available weren't they? Cuz I mean you, you had you had, you had like sit guilds and stuff like that was already there like I remember um You know, you you could do a kind of like a City and Guilds course in bricklaying, where, you know, Mm -hmm. there was some studying involved and then some actual practical work. So what's changed?
5: um, But those practical work would would have been, say for example, Bransford College was a a great example of um, somebody that would provide you with that practical work on site. Mm -hmm. Um, What we're now saying, or what these T-levels are, that you actually need to be with an employer. And you need to think about it from an employer's point of view, that if you're going to offer, um, you know, 315 hours of work experience um, for free, to somebody that for free, see mm. somebody that's potentially being disengaged in school, has struggled in school. I don't think you'll have the time or the patience to kind of kind of deal with all those issues that that um, um, that individual faces. Mm. So, it, 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 it will be a struggle, and trying to find those kind of places, even for schools as well, because we even struggle with work experience. Indeed. But trying to find those, those places, I think that's going to be a, a big challenge for everybody.
1: All right, okay. And, and okay, this, this headline also talks about the fact that, that there is there's a reduction in funding, 40% of the funding, uh, of 12,000 post-16 qualifications. So what's been pulled to introduce this then? Is that is that the old city Hill so, stuff? Is it all?
3: So
5: it, it is. Um, I mean, some of the qualifications that they they mention are the ones where you they've got um, you know a few students on there, and I think there was one about aromatherapy for students with yeah. that, that are that are blind and they can't see. Mm. But but for those students, that's important, and for those students, that's still accessing something. So mm. um, they 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 are reducing the courses by forty percent. Um, and which basically means that if an education establishment still runs those courses um they won't get any money um to kind of pay for resources pay for staffing etc mm.
1: but i i guess the the, uh, the apprenticeship route i guess that 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 would be quite i guess for some people at least anyway we're focused on uh, i guess people who who are perhaps um you know on, on uh, um I, I guess from some difficult sort of backgrounds but um i, I guess you know for for children who are perhaps not from di- um you know sort of difficult backgrounds uh, the um I guess the apprenticeship route I guess that's an option now isn't it because that that that's
5: a, that's, I mean, definitely I mean uh, uh, the, the reason that I kind of focused on the children that from um, that are disengaged and possible diff- difficult backgrounds is that they're the children that are likely to drop off post 16 mm.
3: um
5: and they're the children that will likely to kind of um you know Find it difficult to get into the job market, etc., and then it just ends up being being that vicious cycle. Mm. Um, so, and there are options. I mean, you know, you've still got your A levels, you've still got your um, apprenticeships, um, and and you've got the T levels as well. Indeed. So, for for a child that is able to access the T levels, it, it would be brilliant because you'll have um, the work experience, you'll have the qualification as well, and then you can decide what you want to do, whether you want to go into university or whether you want to Um, go into further education. Mm. Um, So so in theory, they're fine, but I think the way that the the education system has evolved over the last last, um, number of years is that it is that kind of vulnerable student. So, you know, it's it's those 70,000 teenagers
3: Mm. um,
5: that don't get any GCSEs at all, um, a level four above. So what's going to happen to them? And, you know, if if they want to do things like bricklaying or if they want to do things like that, then, you know, we shouldn't be getting rid of the courses. We should actually be supporting those courses.
1: Um, So, yeah. So, I I mean, I guess in terms of the ethos, the education sort of system ethos, uh, the last Labour government, I guess I'm talking about last 20 years or so, uh, 30 years (laughs) or so, there was a real push to get people into universities um, mm-hmm. And and uh, and I guess when the Conservatives came in, especially in the Gold, I think his views changed a little bit. He wanted to, oh, yeah. he wanted more plumbers, basically, right, qualified in the yeah. UK. Uh, w- which direction is this government now p- p- uh, pushing? Is it, is it creating? It is still creating a, another tier for a qualified workforce, rather than sort of uh, educated sort of elites—not elites, I would say—but educated sort of um, pop- populace, I guess.
5: I, I would say elite because I, I I kind of feel because even you know you know as a parent I've got two different girls one is very academic and sure. one is very practical so you 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 know the education system is more kind of geared up for my older daughter than it is for my, for my middle child
3: sure
5: so I think it is it is and it, it's that um you know we we talk about we talk about Lucan and we talk about the potential here and we don't have you know we've got What's happening at Luton Airport? The, the kind of future we have got amazing kind of facilities there, but yeah, we don't seem to attract the students from from Luton or the young people. I think you,
1: you we should have actually perhaps I'm running out of time, but that's that was a very good that's a very good point. Perhaps if you had a bit more time to discuss that. Uh, and yeah. that definitely seems to be the case, and I've actually personally experienced that. Uh, Samia, I'm going to have to go because I've got a, a break fine. coming up. So thank you very much uh, for that's your that's contribution today. It's alright. been enlightening uh, to myself at least anyway, and I'm sure our listeners will, uh, would have enjoyed it as well. Okay, assalamualaikum.
5: salamu alaykum.
1: Like, okay, right. Uh, right, listeners, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll be uh, back after these short messages. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Storm Kiara. Uh, You may have uh, uh, noticed it in the last few uh, days or so. Inshallah, we'll talk about it after the break. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programmes from
0: our daily broadcast on Inspire FM.
1: Welcome, welcome back. You're listening to Inspire FM uh, 105.1 FM. This is right now live. My name is Afrika Bal, uh, and you're also listening on Salam Radio, Peterborough 106.2 FM. Uh, before the break, we were talking about um, the, uh, I guess, a bill being introduced uh, in Parliament to try and alleviate uh, some of the costs around school uniforms, uh, which is a, a welcome introduction of a bill, and hopefully. Uh, It will pass uh, and bring relief, I guess, to uh, an estimated 46% of the families within Luton who uh, are having difficulties buying or purchasing school uniform. And we also talked about uh, introduction of these T-levels, which uh, aim to provide, uh, I guess, uh, some industry skills to children post the age of 16, along with education. We had Samia... Uh, Akram, who's a Deputy Principal of the Shared Learning Trust, with us uh, to talk about that. Uh, We're going to move on to something slightly different. Um, We're going to talk about Storm Chiara and then Storm Dennis. Now, I've heard about Storm Chiara, but I guess Storm Dennis is a new one. Uh, And these are names given to uh, storms these days, named storms, and apparently Storm Dennis is on its way. Uh, Storm Chiara is the one... that uh, hit Luton, I guess, uh, over the weekend. Um, there was, uh, I guess, a few tiles, a few fences blown over, uh, and then we've seen some images uh, of uh, lorries and trucks being blown over to the, uh, blown over on, on the motorways. Um, we have actually quite a few guests on on the line to talk about um, what, how to prepare, I guess, uh, uh, for these storms which are on our way, and, and whether there is actually. Uh, a changing pattern for the weather. So first of all, I want to talk to to Lucy Davies. Uh, She's the Green Flag Manager. So I guess uh, she'll be able to talk about uh, the quote-unquote chaos. Can we call it chaos? I'm not sure we can call it chaos, but there was certainly disruption uh, to the roads. Uh, Hi, Lucy, can you hear me? Okay, hi, Lucy, can you hear me?
7: Hello,
1: yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Uh, Welcome to Inspire FM. Uh, You're listening, uh, you're you're on the uh, Friday Night Live programme. My name is Zafar, uh, and we're talking about, I guess, Storm Kiara and Storm Dennis. Uh, So, I guess, from from your perspective, you had experience of Storm Kiara. Um, Just to describe to us uh, the sorts of disruption that 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 caused and compare that to perhaps what we may expect from Storm Dennis.
7: Well, Storm Kiara has... um, Really created a huge amount of havoc for us throughout the UK, and although it's now caught, calmed down quite a bit, I mean we, we experienced a real rise in the number of breakdowns that we usually attend at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, last week for Storm Kiara it was it was a really really busy period for us, and um, and only too soon um, we've now got Storm Dennis on the way, and um, and although. Storm Dennis isn't expected to be quite as bad as Kiara. Oh, okay. um, the problem is, is that it's still we're looking at um, possible wind speeds for up to 75 miles an hour. That's still a uh, you know a, a really big storm and um the problem is is that we're still clearing up after kiara mm. so in fact the, the, another storm so quickly after kiara is is going to really compound the situation and and coupled with the fact that it's actually the start the of half term mm. this weekend and then we've also got valentine's weekend so um we have a lot more people on the roads than than we usually would in fact about 10 percent more and in fact um this weekend alone, we're expecting to attend in the region of 55,000 call-outs, and, and that's equal to about 19 every single minute. So it's, wow. it's a really busy weekend for us.
1: Indeed. Okay, and tell us some stories. Basically, I mean, is uh, in a storm? I guess it's the high winds and the lashing rain. I guess, but what what was the sort sorts of causes of breakdowns that you noticed with people on the roads?
7: So one of the main causes of breakdowns is, um, I think, when you get a storm that comes on very quickly, you get a lot of flash floods. And one people, one thing that people do when they see a a, oh, right, yes. a, a flood appeared in front of them, um, they're very tempted It's very tempting to drive as fast as you can. <laughs> You're absolutely you, right. <laughs> you, you, you want to get out of it quickly. Um, and I've I've done the same. I've made the same mistake myself, and it's it, it caused a lot of damage. So. Um, one, uh, you know, we, we, so we have a lot of breakdowns from people who've, who've tried to go, you know, you can't tell how deep the water yes, is. So indeed, yeah. um, people have tried to drive very quickly through it. And actually, that's the worst thing you can do because the water goes, if, it, if it's deep enough, it'll go into your engine mm. and you'll, you'll grind to a halt. So we attend a lot of those. Um, uh, I, th- I think if you, uh, the, the advice is if you do have to go through a bit of flood water is actually um, to... Or to turn around and, and go a different direction. Um, but if that's impossible, then you can just try and try get jump out of your car and, and put a stick into it and see how deep it is. And 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 then if you do really have to go through, just drive as, as slowly as possible. So um,
1: okay. So mean, I, another sorry, as slowly as possible. So I guess crawl through it rather than splash through it. Is is what you say? Yeah, you're saying. crawl
7: through it to avoid it splashing up. And um, and and that that's actually much
1: the safest way of doing it hmm. um i mean uh, sorry go on yeah i was going to say so i guess whichever whichever method you use to cross it whether it's whether you splash through it or uh, cruel um aren't certain cars actually uh the, you know the, the the air inlets that they have uh aren't, aren't they sort of uh, i guess vulnerable to sort of water going up anyway regardless of how you whether you drive fast or not
7: yeah, some are. I mean, um, I, I, I guess the rule is, you know, some people have cars that are stand cars, like if you've got a, lucky enough to have a Land Rover or something like that, you're probably okay, and they're much higher up, but it tends to be slightly older cars that have yes. engines lower to the ground that, that are more easily affected by by, um, by flood water. And um, I own a, a Golf, which is about 20 years old. It's a great car, but it's um, it fairly old, and, and it doesn't doesn't like mm. water at all so um, it actually broke down when uh, and, and I got rescued which is fine and, and it, we, we got it going again but it was it was quite tricky so that's, that's typical of, of something like that might happen to us and um, I mean it, it also we, it's a lot of things like um, flat batteries um, which mm. you know it, that, that's sometimes an effect of really heavy rain yeah. um, as well as um, another thing to avoid is, is debris having fallen on your tree, um, sorry, a tree or or, or part of a tree or debris from a building um, having fallen on somebody's car while they're out and about and and perhaps breaking the windscreen. we get all the normal problems as well, uh, which I guess is just a matter of people making the right checks before they head out. Um, we get people running out of petrol, for example, which is kind of silly, but people, even though it's a storm, people sometimes get distracted and forget Indeed. to fill their tank up properly. So um, it, it's it's lots of things like that. But there are lots of things that you can do to, to avoid all of this. And I would say, um, it, this might sound obvious, but when a, a storm like, Chiara or Dennis is, is due to land. Really, really, you should reconsider whether you travel at all. And I, I, I would indeed, absolutely yeah. recommend that if you're going to, you should just avoid this at all costs, unless you absolutely have to. Um, and then there are various things you can do to, to make sure that you're safe if if you if you really do need to make the journey.
1: Indeed, indeed. I mean, you just kind of painted a picture, uh, you know, of somebody maybe just trying to splash through a, a, a kind of like a flooded road, uh, and then the thing is. Once you get stuck, you're stuck. You? you can't even get out. Your cars. You can't broken. get out. You can't get out because if yeah. you get out, right, you can get flooded. So you're 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 proper stuck, aren't you, in in, uh, in that situation? So uh, yeah. in, Indeed. So I mean, I guess I guess uh, in terms of preparations, you now you've got warnings of Storm Dennis coming up. I think you're uh, as an organisation perhaps you're, you're extra prepared, I guess, for, for that to come.
7: We we are. I mean, we've got um, all our call centres are crack. Pre- and um, we are expecting a, a, a big volume of calls. And, and one, one tip I can always give to people when they, when if, if they do have to make an essential journey, mm-hmm. is, um, I mean, Green Flag and um, any other rescue companies will have a, an app that you can download before your journey. And um, if if you do break down and you, you you need to make a call and try and, and get rescued, then you actually are much quicker. You, you get through probably quicker using the app Indeed. so it, it's worth doing that just in case but
1: and, and i guess the added advantage of that is is that they're they not you'll know the location so from, from the yeah. app you don't they have to describe exactly where, where you are,
7: you are. Yes. yes yeah exactly so it, it it just might be um a faster way of, of them getting to you um, and, and there, there are lots of other checks that you can do before you head out um first of all um and some of them are obvious but you know just plan your journey look look online and see if there are disruptions you you might as i was talking about floods just now there are lots of roads that suddenly have to be shut off because of floods so you might have to go um around a closed road or, a, or an alternative route and um, it's good to know that in advance otherwise it could hugely delay your your journey and um, another thing for us you're out when it's really, really windy, um, to help you be safe. For example, if you if you're getting in and out of a car, mm. um, people forget that you can open the door, and a gust of wind can can get hold of it, and they can have a really big um, effect on the the damage they can cause on the on on the hinges. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I've, we we've known car doors to be probably older car doors to be ripped off by wind altogether mm. if someone's opened it at the wrong Indeed. at the wrong. Um, the wrong time and also when you're driving to really grip hold of the wheel very very firmly um, because the, the the car can be sort of pushed from side to side by gusts of wind which also is, is very dangerous mm-hmm. um, and and again when you're driving leave loads of room between yourself and the next car even more yes. than normal um, drive as slowly and carefully as possible and um, particularly around high-sided vehicles and if you see motorbikes and poor cyclists out on the road they can get really busted around so and um, just be really really careful around them
1: Brilliant. Okay. Lucy, thank you very much. I've got uh, another guest lined up. I need to talk about the actual, actual sort of science behind the, the storms, etc. Uh, really appreciate it's your advice. Really appreciate your advice. Thank you very much, Lucy. Thank you. Indeed. No
7: problem. Thank you. Good evening. Thank you. Bye. All
1: right. Right. Okay. So uh do, uh, uh, do apologise. I think uh, we've got uh, Marco Pagdagni senior meteorologist online has been waiting for quite uh, quite some time do apologize for that Marco Uh, welcome welcome to Inspire FM Uh, I I, I, I saw the note on my system here to say that that uh, you've got uh, only a handful of minutes actually for for us but just really wanted
8: that long but I'm happy to to speak
1: excellent so I just wanted to understand I guess uh, um, this is this is the season of of, uh, storms or is it at least out of season now Uh, what's what's the story Um,
8: no, I mean certainly the wintertime is generally when we get the most unsettled uh, weather, um, all driven by a very powerful jet stream at the moment. You know the jet stream moving across the Atlantic um, and pushing storms towards the UK. Um, the main reason for the two storms we're seeing just recently, Kira and now Dennis, is down to some uh, big temperature contrasts uh, occurring at the moment across the north of America. We're seeing some very cold air pushing down from um, Canada into central parts of America Mm -hmm. and that's sort of moving up against some very warm air that's across the east coast and down towards Florida and when you get the contrast between those uh, two big temperature um, differences between the cold and the warm you're you're generating a very powerful jet stream and that's allowing these vigorous low pressure systems to develop and to get swept across the Atlantic towards the UK as well so that's why we're seeing these particularly deep Mm. areas of low pressure at the moment. Mm.
1: Usually we caught the tail end of of, uh uh, the storms and hurricanes, I guess, in the Caribbean because that's the that's, that's the region. Right. Uh, but yeah,
8: often that's right. Yeah, towards the end of the summer, often they they can lead to a breakdown. If you know, we often have some nice weather for a time in the summer, and then sort of through August into September, you know, as you say, we often start to get the tail end of these hurricanes getting caught up in the jet stream and uh, turning our weather more unsettled. Sort of heralding the start of autumn quite often.
1: Mm. So I, I, I guess that the big question really is is, uh, is is this normal weather pattern, or are we seeing there's lots, I guess, written about sort of, uh, um, you know, the um, the climate change, etc. Yeah. Uh, are, are, are we seeing these things are becoming more prevalent or, um, yep. you know, are these, are these kind yeah. of normal things?
8: Yeah, we're well, certainly, you know, the, the, certainly recording more extreme weather events. Putting any one particular weather, down, uh, weather event down to climate change, you know, pinpointing it uh, as climate change being the cause of any one particular event is uh, mm. a very difficult thing to do. But certainly the trend... Um, you know for more extreme weather events is certainly starting to occur you know in the last few years we've seen much more in the way of um, flooding uh, at times through the year you know some bigger wind storms some obviously bigger um, sort of heat waves developing now during the summer time as well so certainly that ties in um, with you know the theory of, sort of global warming and climate change that these more extreme weather events uh, will will occur and they certainly do seem to be getting more extreme at the moment.
1: Indeed and I think that's down to sort of uh, the warming of the planet. I think that's what the the scientists well, are telling right. us. I mean,
8: the, yeah, certainly in terms of rainfall, um, warmer world. You know, as the air gets warmer. It can hold more moisture,
1: mm. um,
8: and sort of, you know, takes more moisture up from the oceans, and then obviously it has to drop it somewhere. So it can, yeah, warmer air can hold more moisture, and then obviously it um, rains out to, to give to give more of the way of rain in some areas too.
1: Indeed. Okay. And so this this hurricane, so storm Dennis. T- tell us how how the naming happens. Is it is it uh, is this some sort of a convention that you use, or is it just random? No, names?
8: down the, the the public actually choose the names. Um, oh, okay. and we pick out the, the, the you know the the most popular names at each um, start of the season. The sept- uh, season runs from September to September each year. Um, we've been doing this now for I think about four or five years, um, and each each year we ask the public to um, suggest um, you know a series of names for, for storms. And then the most popular ones get chosen, um, and then yeah, we, we you know for that we we go forward. We're also joined by Met and our colleagues, uh, in Ireland, and also this year as well by KNMI, mm-hmm. our Dutch colleagues. So we have names, uh, some some Irish names and some Dutch names as well in in the mix.
1: So so you basically spot the formation of a uh, of a storm or a hurricane, and then you put. Uh message out to say what, what do people want to name it is that how it yeah, works exactly the whole
8: exactly the whole idea of the warnings we issue are to sort of pay people you know, help uh, make people more aware mm-hmm. of um you know impending bad weather and also to help them prepare for the bad weather as well uh the warnings we issue um we, we base them on um how confident we are um in a certain weather event happening and also the impacts they're likely to occur as well so it's basically tra- a traffic light system we go from green to amber um uh, sort of green, yellow, amber and red uh, whereas green is a, a sort of situation you'd normally expect for this time of the year Just a standard, uh, for example a standard um, yeah. rain or wind event and then as we go up through yellow, amber and red we're expecting greater impacts and we're also more more confident in a particular weather event occurring and obviously with Storm Dennis the next few days we've got some um, a mixture of yellow and amber uh, warnings in force
1: Right, and so, yellow, so sto- Storm Dennis is, is more severe than Kiara is it or less
8: uh, kira kira um yeah uh, it's, it's certainly in terms of rainfall it looks like it's going to be a bigger rainmaker we're likely to see much more rain more widely across the uk with kira we saw um, more of a wind event for that particular one last weekend we saw gusts of winter 70 to 80 miles an hour whereas for um, dennis we're looking at uh, winds generally inland 50 miles an hour and locally 60 or 70 around the coast so winds about 10 miles an hour or so less and with Kira, still obviously strong enough to cause some problems. I think we're still going to see some branches coming off the trees, the odd mm. tile coming off the roof. And the problem is, of course, some structures are weakened now after Storm Kira. In any yeah. case, you know, so they're more prone to being uh, having issues. But with, with Dennis, we're certainly seeing more more rainfall, and again, the, the grounds are already saturated following on from Kira and from recent uh, rainfall in the last few days as well. So we don't need much more rain to cause some flooding issues. Mm. and Certainly, flooding could be an issue. Uh, I think especially across some southern and western parts through the weekend.
1: Indeed, and, and and I guess I mean you mentioned a couple of factors in terms of rain and wind, etc. But when, when you're categorising, um, you know the, the storms, what what are the different factors that you kind of use to to decide whether it is an amber or yellow or red?
8: Well, it's actually our chief forecaster, the head forecaster on duty, that speaks to various responders around the country, emergency responders, and various other organisations to see how they might be impacted um, based. They were expecting, and then from that they can then formulate formulate the warnings. But the general trend, as I say, is four things. Obviously, to, to be expecting more severe conditions as you work your way through from green to yellow to to amber and uh, red. The only ambers we've got in force this weekend, I uh, for um, rainfall for some southern and western parts of the UK, is mainly on the hills, mm. um, especially towards the, the moors in the southwest, the Welsh mountains, uh, Cumbrian fells, and parts of southwest Scotland. Um, there we could see some particularly heavy rain. It's called orographic rain, basically when the rain comes in from the south-west, the hills uh, push the air up that much more quickly and uh, much more vigorously and help to generate some particularly heavy bursts of rain over the hills. So it's those sort of hilly areas out towards the south and west. We could we potentially could see up to three inches of rain, sort of 50 to 80 millimetres in some parts there. Um, well, wow. Certainly a wet and windy picture everywhere, you know.
1: So, so in t- I guess in, t- in terms of the forecasting technology... Um, how's that improved over the years? Because I, I do remember—I guess I'm old enough to remember. Uh, there, are, there have been some famous cases where uh, some of the storms have been missed or um certainly
8: the 1987 storm, yeah, was one, wasn't well forecast. Um, I mean, technology now is so much better. I'm not too sure what the actual verification figures are, but I think our five-day forecasts certainly are as good as our three-day forecasts were. I'm not sure if it's 10 years ago or, I mean, the accuracy is much improved. We do have verification done as well to, to see how our go. goes. Certainly, um, you know, the forecasts are generally improving markedly, you know, um, especially in the short term. Um, seasonal forecast is still quite an early, uh, you know, a young science. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can give a, a trend at least, you know, a sort of usable trend for, for some of our customers who find it helpful. For example, um, you know, uh, retailers um, can, can sort of gauge just how, if it's going to be a sort of drier or wetter um, season than expected, whether to to buy in certain products and, uh, you, know, what, what, you know, what might sell well, that kind of thing, you know. So it mm-hmm. gives a good steer, but obviously, as I say, it's a short-term forecast, certainly that much improved now than they were just a few years ago.
1: And, and the information is, is more widely available, isn't it? Because I, I guess in my right, time, right. We, we, we used to be yeah. sort of just dependent on radio. and, and, and Exactly, and, uh, yeah. But and now...
8: We do a lot on social media now. Twitter is a big. I've just been doing some tweets just recently. Mm. We do a lot on, on Twitter, um, on YouTube, Facebook, you know, all the different social media feeds. Um, certainly, certainly, yeah, becoming a bigger, uh, a bigger thing now. And obviously, that means we can get the information out much more quickly. Mm. Um, if a rainfall event is occurring, we can alert people, you know, pretty much uh, as and when, you know.
1: So, so, you know, in, ter- in terms of, I guess, meteorology is, is a is a science. I guess it's a very critical science to running of many of the the, the businesses, etc. But for us, I guess the the consumers, the information we get is free. So, so I guess the question is, are you are you a government bodies or are you kind of like privately we are, funded? Or? No,
8: that's what we are. Government, yeah, government funded. um Yeah, a lot of information is is freely available now. Um, people can still get sort of more detailed forecasts. We, we offer sort of things like talk to forecaster services and that whether people can actually speak to a forecaster and get more um, detailed information for a particular event that's occurring mm. uh, or based on some sort of local knowledge we can add. A, we get sort of the basic model output, but um, the, the sort of um, the grid spacing of the model um, is always, you know, it's never going to be small enough to be able to give, sort of you know accuracy of weather to within a you know sort of a few centimeters or meters you know, no you indeed yeah provide more much more local knowledge
1: yeah so so for example if, if we if i was to organize an event say uh in the end of may or something like that uh, and i wanted to sort of figure out it's going to be an outdoor event um would you be able to sort of advise on where, what kind of weather i should expect uh, and how early can you provide that information
8: yeah um, once you go beyond sort of two or three weeks you're more going in you're going more into climatology sort of you know the kind of weather you generally expect based on previous weather patterns over years and okay. years you know um, generally out to two weeks ahead for example we can give a, you know a general sort of weather forecast format model output and say add local knowledge and add our know, sort of experience onto that to, to give a, a better forecast but longer term from that is sort of more going on to the kind of weather patterns you know you'd expect um, you know at certain times of the year so it's more based on climatology rather than weather forecasting and such.
1: Brilliant, brilliant, Marco. Uh, Marco, thank you very much uh, for your contribution today. I no really, really enjoyed it. It's been really informative. Uh, and uh, I, I guess last minute advice, I guess, to, to people who should expect something from from Storm Dennis. I guess.
8: Yeah, we'll certainly stay safe this weekend. Um, although spring tides are now being away, we're still, you know, can see some problems on on the coast. I mean, the main thing I think is to stay tuned to the forecast. Um, you know, plan, allow extra time for your journey if you have to take a journey. I heard your previous uh, interviewee you mentioning, you know, unless you have to travel, perhaps don't, If especially um, in trying to avoid sort of coastal, hilly areas with the, the windiest and uh, sort of wettest weather if you can. But cert- certainly allow extra time and keep keep you into the forecast in the short term because there could, could be some disruption and uh, a few issues are out and about, I think.
1: Brilliant. Thank you very much, uh, Marco. Thank you indeed. Take bye Right, OK, listeners, uh, we've, we've got uh, uh, another interview uh, which was recorded uh, a bit earlier from, uh, by our producers. Uh, it's Ben Sheridan from AA Patrol who's going to give us a, a few more tips, I guess, on top of what Lucy's provided uh, for our travellers, I guess. Uh.
6: We've got a potential storm this weekend. What advice would you give to motorists?
9: Obviously my advice would be if you if you if you don't have to venture out, don't venture out, stay indoors and stay safe. But if you do, obviously with the increased wind and rain, you've got to increase your stopping distances, you've got to watch out for debris being blown on the carriageway. And and, and just just plan your route really.
6: Yeah. And if people were to drive, they say it was a necessary trip they needed to make, uh, are there any specific things that you'd advise them to take as a precaution?
9: Yeah, yeah, obviously you can use the AA road planner and stuff like that to plan your route. So that's what I do for first to, to check the road closures. But other than, other than obviously the weather conditions, you've got to drive to them. So with the, with the excessive rain and wind, you've got to watch for spray off other vehicles and um, you've got to watch for vehicles being blown into your path. And obviously a lot of debris can get blown out, especially tree branches and debris from people's gardens. That's yeah. a potential hazard as well.
6: And would uh, under inflated or over tyres affect uh, they're driving in the windy conditions.
9: Yeah, definitely. Obviously, that, the tyres are one of the key parts of your vehicle because that's what gives you traction to the road. So you have to use the correct tyres, which is obviously you can find the information in your on boots, But you set the pressure to how many passengers you carry or stuff like that. So yeah, obviously that's a critical part of, of your vehicle. So you have to make sure the pressures are correct, your treads are, are correct, and there's no damage or you know to the actual tyres themselves.
6: And let's, let's say someone wants to have a breakdown, um, would your response times, not just yourselves, but other breakdown companies as well, would they be a lot longer than they usually are?
9: Uh, obviously, it's, it's hard to say. It depends on the demand. Obviously, if, if, we, if there's a lot less people driving and, and the people are staying in, then that should reduce the, We should get there a lot quicker because there's a lot less demand. But it depends on your area you are and where you've broken down, really.
6: Lovely. Ben, thanks a lot.
1: Right, okay, uh, that was a message uh, from Ben Sheridan from A Patrol. Uh, we've run out of time for this section. Uh, we're going to be back after a short break, inshallah. Stay tuned and we're going to be talking about fly-tipping. Fly-tipping, people, we're going to be talking about fly-tipping after the break, inshallah. Stay tuned.
5: as Alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz and you're listening to an Inspire FM
3: podcast.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Inspire FM 105.1 FM. This is Friday Night Live. My name is Safar Iqbal. Uh, And also broadcasting uh, on Salaam Radio, Peterborough at 106.2 and internationally via our website, www.inspirefm.org. If you're listening from any of those places, inshallah, and want to take part in our discussion, our number is 01582481822. Zero triple seven nine four eight one eight two two four. Text messages. Uh, before the break, we were talking about um, the weather patterns and storms. I guess Storm Chiara and Storm Dennis. Uh, we talked to Marco uh, patagnai He's a senior meteorologist. Uh, he talked about the formation of, of these storms uh, and the changes in actually weather weather patterns, etc. Potentially due to um, you know the, the global warming. And we also had some advice from the AA, uh and also from lucy davis uh green flag manager some sound advice from them to how to sort of stay safe i guess in uh, in these storm weathers we're going to talk uh, uh, about another local issue i guess uh, it probably is a, is a national issue as well uh, but locally i think it's, uh, it is definitely is, is an issue we're going to talk about fly tipping fly tipping that's right and we've got Sarah Hall, uh, who's a service director uh, from Luton Borough Council. Uh, I'm going to say uh, hi to Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Good evening. Uh, Sarah, um, fly tipping. Um, I, I guess, uh, is it a problem? Is there a major problem in Luton?
10: Well, I'm sure you will have seen the news yesterday that was um, a, a report showing what a problem fly tipping is across, across the country and, yes. and, and how in some areas large-scale fly tipping has increased by in some places more than 50% over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. That's not the experience we have had in Luton.
3: Mm-hmm.
10: Fly tipping has increased over the years, probably about 20% increase mm-hmm. since 2015, but we are fortunately not seeing that prevalence of the really large-scale fly tipping. Mm-hmm. The majority of our fly tipping is uh, classified as um, small-scale
1: mat- mattresses and stuff
10: well that th- there is a um, there is a protocol for determining the size of, of a fly tip so that local authorities can compare mm-hmm. the same based on the same data so we look at uh, descriptions such as uh, car boot load, small van load or mm-hmm. single item and probably about 80 or 85% of our fly tipping would fall in that category. Mm -hmm. As I said, a a number of uh, authorities are finding that the tipper lorry load or the the really large-scale industrial fly tipping is much more of a problem. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's not the case in Luton. Mm -hmm. I have to say, however, that doesn't mean that we don't realise how disruptive and unpleasant it is for our... Communities and residents to find any fly tipping on their streets. How how infuriating that is mm-hmm. that anyone thinks it's appropriate to dump waste where we all try and live and enjoy our lives in our town.
1: Indeed, and and I guess um, uh, give us some examples. I guess uh, of people that that um, you know have been I guess caught dumping stuff um, locally and, and what's been done about it. To be honest.
10: So um, in Luton, we do take this this uh, issue very seriously. As a result of that, we have invested in a new team. Mm-hmm. So I hope that the listeners will have seen our neighbourhood enforcement officers in and around the town. They are our uniformed officers who we can deploy to hotspots where we have issues of antisocial behaviour or environmental crime happening. They have served hundreds of notices in relation to inappropriate disposal of waste Mm -hmm. so we get complaints about people who tip waste in their front gardens and and think that's appropriate and um, people who live around them have to put up with that so we're literally hundreds of notices and fixed penalty fines as well if they fail to comply with with the guidance that we give them Mm. we've also prosecuted fly tippers but as you can imagine Mm. fly tippers generally do that when there aren't many people around. So we do have CCTV cameras that we can deploy in hotspot areas and we do ask local residents if they capture any footage at all on their dash cam or on their home CCTV system, please share that with us because you might have seen that we have um, a a wall of shame on Lutonborough Council's website Mm -hmm. where we want to put pictures up of people that we've caught fly-tipping Mm-hmm. We always publicise our prosecutions. So we had a ten thousand pound court fine recently for someone who w- was using their own back garden as um, wow. as a dump. Oh dear! And with no consideration for the people who lived around, the impact it had on them, mm-hmm. the impact it has on our children walking to school mm-hmm. past such things. Indeed. And I think the worst flight tip that I've seen. But the, the, the most inexplicable fly tip I've seen this year was in a residential area mm-hmm. where it was quite clear that a tipper lorry had driven along and tipped its load down the centre of the road
1: oh my outside of school. That's so blatant, isn't it? So blatant. You,
10: you have to think what is going through people's minds mm. when they do that.
1: Uh, what, what's, but, what, I guess the, what, what's the... Uh, what's to stop them from from doing stuff like that What what's the penalties I guess is are they punitive enough or or could you know could they be tightened
10: um, th- there are a number of different legal processes that we can follow I think that the maximum fine is around about 20,000 pounds and I believe that there is also the possibility for imprisonment mm-hmm. uh, we need to look at why why there is a market for waste disposal like this. So recently the legislation has changed Mm -hmm. that means that if you you or I want to dispose of any, if we have building work done, for example, and the builder takes away the
3: waste,
10: we have a responsibility to ensure that they are licensed to take away that waste. Mm -hmm. And you can quite easily check that on the Environment Agency website. Because if your waste turns up fly it somewhere, Mm and it's traced back to you you are liable as well as the person that tipped it mm. so that's how legislation is trying to take away the market for illegal waste mm. um, carriers is, is that legislation people who make money from tipping
1: is that legislation in force or is it is it on the statute but is coming
10: it is no it no, it is so you can be um, it's the household duty of care mm-hmm. and you can be issued with a 400 pound fixed penalty notice mm. and you know, it, it it does sound harsh, but we do pursue people in Luton if we find their waste has been tipped mm. by someone.
1: Yes, um, to be honest, I, I would say four hundred pounds is not enough. I and mean, we've got if you've got a build, somebody building a, an extension, uh, you know, it, they can easily pay more than four hundred pounds to get rid of the stuff. So four hundred pounds doesn't sound but, a lot to me, to be honest.
10: But if we decided to pursue the courts, mm-hmm. then we can claim for the the costs of clear up as well.
1: Mm, indeed okay
10: and and you know if we pursue someone through the courts you know the, the ultimate penalty is that you end up with a criminal record and that has a massive impact on a number of um, elements and, and aspects of your life
1: mm-hmm. uh, what 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 sort of what sort of uh, I guess uh, uh, people are you seeing uh, who do these type of stuff are they, are they kind of like uh, the occasional person wants to get rid of the rubbish or their landlords or they Builders or what? What, what kind of what, is is there a pattern to some of these stuff?
10: A, a a complete mix, right? A complete mix of of people from professionals who you might not expect to do that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, to tradespeople, to people who are just a bit lazy.
3: Hmm. Indeed,
10: and, and 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 obviously have little respect for our town and everyone's ability to enjoy their
1: neighbourhood. Indeed, indeed, you're quite right. Uh, but in, I guess in terms of, in terms of alternatives of uh, being available, so uh, I, I'm I'm a householder, uh, I haven't got a car to take my rubbish to the, the you know designated tip. Uh, what options have I got then to get rid of my rubbish? I mean, I've got a mattress or I've got some uh, garden rubbish I need to get rid of. How, how, do, okay. how do I get rid of that?
10: So Luton Council um, offer a bulky waste collection service. Mm -hmm. That's 27 pounds, I think, for up to three items. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's free if if someone in the household is on benefits. Mm -hmm. So that would be the first thing to consider. Mm -hmm. Um, If you were looking at having to ask someone to come and take away your waste, we would say get on the Environment Agency website Mm -hmm. and look for a licensed waste carrier that operates mm. in Luton mm-hmm. uh, you know, d- Don't allow someone to knock on the door and take your waste away.
1: Mm-hmm. You can
10: sort of guarantee it's gonna end up fly-tipped and you will be pursued for that offence as well as the person that tipped it. Mm.
1: And, and what, what what sort of, there, sorry, go on.
10: The, and and there, are, there are other options as well, aren't there? So I'm just about to have some new furniture delivered mm-hmm. and I put my old furniture on free cycle and it's getting collected tomorrow by someone who can make use of it we are we are all about waste less recycle more and reuse what you can and there are a number of websites that you can put your your products on your your things that you need to get rid of on Mm -hmm. and and it's amazing the sort of things that people will want to take so if you were having your bathroom renovated and you wanted to put your old bathroom furniture out, on that uh, website there's a fair chance that someone would want to come and take it
1: brilliant that sounds like a brilliant and that, idea.
10: you know for, for, for everyone that is has got to be what we're striving to do waste less recycle and reuse
1: indeed I think that sounds like a a brilliant idea uh so i i guess i'm i'm coming i guess coming to near the uh, end of of this session of the last session of the program i uh, i guess so uh any sort of um any last messages you want to convey, I guess, to to our listeners? Fly tipping is a major problem, and I think you know, uh, reading some of the comments uh, about Luton on national papers when surveys were done, uh, a few of them actually sort of quoted the fact that there were loads of mattresses lying uh, lying around in various parts of Luton, uh, and I've seen them personally, and they are disgusting to be honest. And I don't know what what type, what kind of people would would find it suitable or happy to sort of chuck their mattresses on on the on the streets, but I guess, any thoughts? No. So. M- uh,
10: m- me neither. I, I don't know what, sort, what goes through people's heads. All that I would like people to understand is that we do take it very seriously. Mm. We've put our money where well, our mouth is in relation to that and, and invested in a new team.
3: Mm-hmm.
10: Uh, we are very active in terms of patrolling hotspot areas, we use CCTV when we can. Um, We've got a number of initiatives like the the Wall of Shame, mm-hmm. and I would like anyone who's thinking of uh, of maybe disposing of waste inappropriately to be looking over their shoulder to see where we are, because we are absolutely committed to to making a difference and stopping this from happening. Mm-hmm.
1: But Indeed. I would
10: also say, remember, Luton isn't unique. This was in the national national news yesterday. It is. It is, and this is I think a it's a national problem.
1: And I think I think the national newspaper article talked about gangs of professional gangs who actually fly tip. Um, so again, I guess you know from what you're saying uh, it, the, the issue has got to be tackled both from supply and demand side of I I guess, isn't it?
10: absolutely. Um, we aren't seeing that organised criminal gang activity in Luton. um mm. a lot of the reports were around that that sort of activity happening in places where there wasn't so much. Natural surveillance, so on agricultural land, for example, mm. obviously Luton is, is is different in in that sure. respect But we are part of a group, uh, an enforcement group with our neighbouring authorities Because we recognize that people operate cross borders mm-hmm. and so we're sharing information We work with a number of other enforcement agencies where we do targeted vehicle stops mm-hmm. To find people with waste if they've not got uh, an appropriate license And we do have the power to seize their vehicle in some circumstances so you know we are absolutely committed Mm -hmm. to doing everything that we can because we really do recognize the impact this has on people's communities
1: indeed and and what what about education i guess education is a uh is can also be a a tool uh in terms of uh, educating people about i guess the impact on others i mean it's quite quite normal for people to say, well, I have a problem rights and, and I'm going to deal with it by doing X, Y and Z. But, you know, is there is there kind of like a scope to perhaps more more of a campaign on, on rubbish and flight tipping and, and general attitude towards sort of? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, you
10: know, ov- obviously, we, we, we do have waste education officers who do a lot of work in schools around mm. um, uh, waste disposal. Uh, waste less recycle more because we recognize that the next generation are, are really bought into that message actually and often it takes them to take that home to their parents to mm. make the change we do run social media campaigns and we will continue to do so our wall of shame um was launched with quite a lot of publicity but
1: I, i'm actually intrigued i want i want to see this wall of shame is, is it is it available uh, on the internet or is it just in the offices
10: no, 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 it's on, it's on Luton, um, Luton's website.
1: It's the wall of shame. I need to look it up. <laughs> i to make okay. sure see if I can recognise anybody else. We
10: can, we can only use footage that we have been able to capture through CCTV, which is why I would say to anyone that has any sort of CCTV capability, dash cam or at home, if you catch anything if you catch someone throwing rubbish out of their car as you're driving behind them please send us the footage because we want to pursue those people
1: okay so uh these identifiable pictures you you can actually see the people is it or are you just saying are you demonstrating the act rather than the people who committed the act
10: yeah so at the moment i think on on the wall of shame we've got the fly tips rather than the people but but if you look at some of the local authorities that have got more CCTV footage hmm. you can see what we are striving to do but we, we really need people to share that footage with us and if we're not capturing it on our CCTV system I'm quite sure that there are incidents where that other people are capturing
1: brilliant okay Sarah I, th- I think we're running out of my uh, or my segment I guess uh, time on this segment so it's, it's been fantastic talking to yourself. Uh, thank you very much, and I guess uh, we'll speak on uh, other occasions uh, when the need arises. Yeah, thank thanks, very much.
10: thanks for thanks for inviting me. Maybe next time we will talk about something more positive that we're doing.
1: <laughs> I, mean, I think this is positive as well, in, in terms of what the council is doing about it, and I think it's positive oh, in, the not, uh, in the sense yeah. that we in the sense that Luton is, is not as bad as perhaps people make it out to be.
10: Yeah, it's it's just it's it's a shame that people don't respect the town in the way that we would want them to. Uh, and, we, um, and we've got such a lot of positive things to talk about. So I look forward to coming
1: on again. Indeed. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sarah.
10: Thank you.
1: Bye. Thanks. Bye. Right, listeners, we were talking about fly tipping, uh, if you hadn't noticed. Uh, to, I guess we're going to move on to a slightly more, uh, I guess more, I won't say positive, but slightly more um, engaging topic, I would say. More community-orientated topic. More kind of like generous-hearted topic inshallah so we have uh, we have our resident um a resident uh, a guest presenter and presenter of a popular morning show Tariq with us our studio manager and he's going to talk about an event that's happening
11: next week, inshallah. So what are we talking about? Asalaamu uh, Next week, inshallah, which was due to be this week, uh, if uh, we, had, uh, we hadn't, we had of course, uh, had uh, Dennis the Menace coming over the uh, <laughs> over weekend, the which has uh, uh, unfortunately put a bit, a bit of a dampener in the, uh, in the plans where we were planning to hopefully this uh, Sunday we were supposed to be coming to uh, St. George's Square uh, with the repeat of the event we did uh, in December on uh, Sunday, the 29th of December. Uh, Inspire FM team came down to uh, down to of course uh, Saint George's Square and we did an event called Be a Good Neighbor. Uh, this year, this time around we will hopefully be coming next Sunday, so it won't be this Sunday for those of you who may be listening and may have planned uh, to come down this Sunday. It will be next Sunday, inshallah, the 23rd of February. Uh, the time will be from 12 until 4, uh, and the whole purpose uh, of this uh, of this whole campaign that we've been doing on the radio, uh, as well as uh, of course uh, or, or on uh, physically. At uh, Saint George's Square, is to remind ourselves about the importance of looking after one another and being good neighbours. And I know you personally have had a bit of a, a bit of a, a a problem with the name of be a good neighbour because uh, you've said, of course, it, it automatically assumes that we're not. And I know many people out there, Alhamdulillah, uh, must be great neighbours. Indeed, but it's uh, it's of course uh, trying to remind all of us uh, to uh, for those who uh, are not so good neighbours may not know their neighbours. flight the fly with Talked about <laughs> indeed. Uh, it's to remind those to uh, remind those of the duties, uh, the neighbourly duties that we have towards each other. Uh, and of course, uh, for those who are already good neighbours, uh, maybe sharing uh, a few things that we could do uh, extra for our neighbours, which you don't sometimes think about. And again, similar, uh, uh, similar thing to uh, to the topics today. For example, uh, Razzaq, we've spoken about a lot of the advice generally uh, from many of the websites and anywhere you will be uh, looking at over the next couple of days will be uh, if you do not need to travel over the week please do not travel stay at home Indeed. and this sometimes will cause a problem especially for maybe uh, maybe the elderly maybe the vulnerable uh, who may be in need of food for example or you may who may not who may have just forgotten to uh, get the weekly shopping for example or may have a set day of, on a Saturday or a Sunday uh, so if you're in a position where you're able to go tonight there's many uh, 24-hour supermarkets uh, around in Luton uh, if you're planning to go tonight because you're thinking that uh, you want to get it out of the way you don't want to come out on the weekend just knock on your neighbor's door just uh, just ask so you can have a friendly chat ask them if they may need anything uh, and again you, you can of course get that for them uh, or of course uh, if you are in a position where you do do see some damage over the weekend whether it's broken fences whether it's it could be broken windows and or panels of all sorts i know uh, there's been a number of reports of all sorts of damage then offer your assistance and help to your neighbors because it's at these times that we need one another uh, and i think it's, it's very important for us to come together and to see how we can be there for each other absolutely
1: and i think that's the purpose of of this uh, campaign uh and as you know i think inspyfen we do on a number of campaigns throughout the year uh and, and i guess the the objective the ethos behind them is is more about community engagement and in, in some ways trying to live live uh, the advice that that is contained uh in the life of professor al try try to follow uh, in his path and i think he he did many of these things in terms of you know, supporting neighbours and supporting sort of the uh, the elderly and the poor, etc. And we want to try and t- try to <coughs> live that, and make an example of that. And I I do get your point about the names, etc. Names are important. I think people interpret them in different ways, and people can take if, if you're told be a good neighbour, I think they can take it in a different way. But the intention is clear. Of course, the intention is that that what we want is. We want people to care about others, and that's the key thing, really, isn't it?
11: Most definitely, and I think, as you mentioned, regarding the the life of the Prophet and there, there are many examples uh, from the from the life uh, life of the Prophet that we can see uh, as to regarding neighbours. And again, and I'm sure this is a, a story which everybody is 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 familiar with regarding the story of the of the lady who used to throw rubbish uh, in the path of the Prophet And on the occasion which she didn't, and when the Prophet went to find out about her, she was ill that day, uh, and she, of course. Uh, was was shocked. To say, well, you mean uh, look at my character and and kind of uh, uh, you mean attitude well, I towards doing, yeah. you, and look how you're reacting towards me. And I think this is uh, what we need to. Uh, we don't need to necessarily uh, only be nice to those uh, who who are nice to us, but also uh, be nice to those who may not necessarily be nice to you. And I think sometimes uh, just by going out your way uh, and showing good character, and I think good character, we are often told uh, from an Islamic perspective, uh, it's it's like a it's like a mirror, and it will mirror off good as well inshallah so if we uh, if we actually display good character uh, and often we talk about the life of the Prophet and we uh, we often again here on the Rise and Shine show we often talk about Syria of the Prophet, and inshallah in a couple of weeks time uh, we've got a, a, a new schedule uh, which will be taking place and again we can uh, we can announce that uh, hopefully in the next uh, next uh, week inshallah so uh, and we will be of course playing a lot of uh, com- content and material about the life of the Prophet uh, but it's pointless getting to know about the Prophet if, if it is purely just for knowledge purposes and it, it has no emphasis on you uh, and especially neighbours as you mentioned the Prophet uh, has said uh, where at one point the Prophet feared that uh, Angel Jibra'il uh, kind of emphasised so much about the rights of the neighbours that the Prophet said that I actually thought at one point that neighbours may even have uh, have a right to your inheritance that's how much of a right the neighbours have over us and some of us unfortunately mistreat our neighbours and the whole purpose of this campaign campaign is to remind ourselves about the importance of being nice to each other. And as you said, it's, it's, it's a positive community outreach project uh, to remind us all, inshallah.
1: Indeed. Okay. So I think the final note before we go, uh, I did want to talk about another topic today, which was around the coronavirus. Yep. Um, and I wanted to talk about the fact that Pakistan uh, is one of the countries which has actually decided not to evacuate its uh, its citizens right from China. Uh, and it's an interesting story. I'm, I'm, you know, we didn't get the guests, I guess, uh, to, to speak yep. about it today. Uh, but there is a hadith, actually, which, which says uh, along the lines that, that, you know, if you're, if you're in, affected by or afflicted by a plague, you, you're in a location where you're afflicted by a plague, the advice is you don't leave okay the advice you don't leave right because you are actually spreading the, the plague and of I'm just course trying to, desperately trying to sort of get some quotes from hadith here yeah, yeah to, to support that i really wanted a sheikh to talk about it actually mm. it's an important topic maybe you can pick it up next time
11: yep inshallah
1: and it's important the other thing is is to remember is there's a lot of scare stories about the coronavirus and all uh, etc uh, the bottom line is is if your number's up your number's up whether it's a con- normal cold or or trip or uh coronavirus or whatever Panicking about it I right? think, just creates more hysteria. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the things that we wanted to cover today was the fact that I think in some ways, Pakistan's done a, a stood up, basically, right, and stood up for a principle. And the principle is that you don't infect other locations. Mm. You know, if your people are there, right, if if they have life, Allah will, will protect them. If they don't have life, right, then they will die, whether they come back home to Pakistan or whether they remain in China as well. Uh, so I think that, that, that was a... a would have been a fairly sort of interesting discussion inshallah uh, anyway, listeners, i uh, have got about 30 seconds to go, inshallah, before the close of the, the program. I hope you enjoyed the session today. We had varied topics. We talked about very, very different things, some local, some national, some international. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, then uh, come back again next week, inshallah, or listen again tomorrow afternoon. Uh, if not, then uh, you can send us an email and tell us how we can improve, inshallah. Until next time, assalamualaikum alaikum wabarakatuh. Speak to you again, inshallah, next week. Assalamualaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast.
0: Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at Inspirefm Luton.